0: Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Pirie and Elizabeth Zhavkova.
1: In this episode, we meet the claim design journalist and wallpaper China's editor Yoko Choi. She speaks with us about the consequences of COVID-19 in the design field, the most recent promising projects oriented towards social well-being, and the importance of collaboration. In the multifaceted reality in China, Yoko expresses her vision on contemporary design, still in flux but yet to be reshaped in a more sustainable direction by the young creative generation. Hi, Yoko. We are extremely glad to have you here with us today. You're based between Amsterdam and Hong Kong. Can you compare how people have experienced the lockdown in the two locations and how their creative spirit was affected? How exactly your work has been influenced? And uh, despite the shared worries, have you noticed any positive side effects?
2: Yeah, it's a a very interesting question. And I think uh, for me, it's very interesting to observe and experience the cultural differences in, in this sense in this period of time. I think in general the East Asian approaches to control the virus, to control to contain the pandemic are very different from the Western ones. So in general I think because we experienced the SARS outbreak in two thousand and three and also the MERS in two thousand twelve. So for us this kind of um tragic experience an unwanted time is still very fresh in our memories so i think in a way we are better prepared for the outbreak but we at the same time i think we're also more afraid of what it could what kind of um influence it, it will bring to our life so i think in this sense for example in china China was in complete lockdown from end of January for two months at least, and even longer in time in some of the more seriously affected cities. Basically, no no one is was allowed to go out of their home. They all have to stay stay inside, and follow the instruction from the local authorities. And the government was using like digital tracking technologies and uh, to enforce the quarantine orders. And also they are doing a lot of testing and then people are also more aware of um, what they have to do in public or what they have to do to uh, prevent uh, bad things happen. So they use face masks and hand sanitizers and they clean the house and workplace every day extensively. And this is what I don't see in Europe. I don't experience this in Europe. And for me it's some kind of cultural shock because i think i'm still more inclined to the asian way so i'm very cautious about if i'm going out to supermarket or or get my essential stuff i wear my mask but um you can see people in europe or at least in amsterdam are not quite familiar with this kind of practice so and i think people here are more relaxed in a way they understand uh, the impact and consequences of the pandemic, but they, they, it seems to me they don't worry so much. They think if they follow the um, general instructions, social distancing suggested by the government, everything will be fine. So it's a very different uh, experience for me. I think this kind of feeling will continue for a couple of more months before every, everything will really go back to normal a little more per se and i think the positive side of it i think in a very daily um perspective i think suddenly we all have this extra time with us so time you usually spend spending in going from point a to point b in traveling and playing in cars but now you start thinking what do you you actually suddenly you have all this time with you so what can you do with it? And then I think, although we all have to keep social distance and we are home most of the time, I think. But I think because exactly we know that we won't be seeing our families and friends as much as we like, so we actually speak with them more often. We we we, we talk to them more often, and for that I feel like in a way the personal relationship are uh, strengthened strangely. If I can say.
0: As an editor of the leading design publication Wallpaper, your work is based on lots of in-depth research and reading. What is your daily digest,
2: Yoko? And what have you been reading to lately? I like, although I don't read them every day, but I like to have like a big magazine library in my phone. So I have like New York Magazine with me. I have a Fast Company. I have Casa Brutus from Japan and most of the title from China that can be quite difficult difficult to get hold of in time like this because usually when I travel, I just get a physical copy. I'm still very much a magazine person, so I really like something in my hands. But I think this is really convenient now in these days. So I do that a lot. And of course, I read local news, local Dutch news as well to keep me updated with what's happening and how the situation is going. And then also I start listening to a lot of podcasts. So BBC news, for example, I do that every day to just get my daily news digest. And then um, other than all these official channels, I also do a lot of readings on WeChat. So from channels that I subscribe to and also post shared by the creative industry and my collaborators in China. So, especially in the past couple of months, I couldn't be there myself. So, it is for me very important to keep myself updated and keep myself close to the creative scene there. So, that also helped me a lot and also, as, as I said before, it's kind of strengthened my relationship with a lot of people. Uh, it might sound a bit strange, I do not read a lot about design every day. <laughs> for sure, warpaper.com is a must for everyone. And also DC, DC is like a news outlet for the creative world. So if you, if you go and listen every day, you, you get uh, a lot of information you need for the day. And of course, as a journalist, I read a lot of press release every day, too. I guess it's our privilege to get the first-hand look at things, what's happening in the industry. And um, yeah, it sounds like a crazy lot, but I try to stop myself in the weekend, so I don't get um, too much information. In your project, Collective Contemporist,
1: you're working on cross-cultural development. In this challenging moment for all mankind, why cultural diversity plays a pivotal role in our society?
2: And can you please tell us more about the notion East
1: meets West?
2: Oh, why cultural diversity is important. I think because culture is our way of being. It refers to the shared language of a group, of our beliefs, our values, our norms, behaviors, and material objects too. And culture is the tool we use to evaluate everything around us. Was proper or improper, normal or abnormal, good or bad. And if we we are placed in a culture that we are not familiar with, we might experience um, negative feeling and culture shock and become disoriented. And we tend to to fear what we do not understand. And we tend to keep ourselves away from it. And this is, not, um, this is not a very positive and progressive way when you are facing a different culture. So learning about other cultures helps us to understand different perspectives of the world we live in. It helps us clear um, negative stereotypes and personal biases between different groups. And I think the beautiful, beautiful thing about learning other cultures is that you often get inspired and surprised. And once you learn to recognize and respect each other's presence and acknowledge each other's values in the, in the society, I think meaning, meaningful relationships and collaborations will follow. And that's why I think also today, as content creator or as designers, we all have to possess a certain level of, of global competence to understand the world we live in, how we fit in the world, and what we can contribute. I think that's a very important thing uh, these days. And so having conversation and interaction and try to understand people outside of our culture or our circle, or even our industry, becomes very important. So, and I also think if we agree that um, art and design is a reflection of our culture, then we can also understand that cultural diversity means creative diversity diversity of culture and background in the creative industry will create a platform for new ideas and an innovative perspective. And I think as a media professional, we are doing the same. We all spend a lot of time to build content and new experiences for our audience. And I think in one way or another, we all believe that we have the opportunity to positively impact the world around us and so it is of course important for us to understand our audience from different cultures so yeah so coming back to collective contemporist um this is a creative consultancy i started with my partner in beijing morris lee in the end of 2018 and there are three aspects of it three things that we want to achieve so firstly We want to create a platform for creators and companies from around the world to connect to the audience in China and to identify opportunities and help them to enter the market, to enter the the culture. And secondly, it is also a platform for to nurture local talents from China to provide the opportunities they need for them to get their work and messages out to an international audience and also to tell the stories of the creative industry and its development too in China. So I think the creative scene in China is still very much underrepresented and there are not many international media channels that have a focus or interest in Chinese design. And I feel like this time we actually have a lot to, to offer and, and, and I want to present it to the world. And the third thing is to build a local community of people who are interested in design or people who would like to learn more about contemporary design to elevate the taste level and understanding in design in general. And we hope that through all these exchanges and conversations we create, we can help to define what Chinese contemporary design is or what Chinese contemporary lifestyle is and to have the scene and the industry to grow. Of course, in the business term, as well as, and I think more importantly, our global cultural footprint. So this is what um, we're trying to, to do since 2018. So we launched uh, we launched Co- Collective Contemporaries with an initiative called Assembly in uh, Beijing in uh, October 2018. It was a creative conference took uh, place at the converted traditional courtyard in Beijing, in the, in the heart of Beijing, designed by Japanese architect Kengo Kango Kuma. And it was co-hosted by DC, um in Beijing. And we invited uh, Studio Drift, for example, from Amsterdam and based upon studio from London to join our local speakers. Uh, we invited like local designers, architects, artists, design educators, chief executive from leading tech companies and property, property uh, developers as well to talk about or to discuss about the challenge and opportunities in cross-cultural collaborations in China. And then uh, last year, we collaborated with um, Design Shanghai uh, in March. Um, they're one of the most influential design fairs now in China. And uh, we create we curated a one day talk program involving young local talents, uh, creative entrepreneurs, and business leaders in China. They're coming from, for example, Hangzhou, Shanghai, Beijing, uh, or Kungshu, example, uh, for example. So, and it was very successful, and it was very well received. And I think uh, it became more and more obvious to us that. This kind of exchange, international exchange and collections, are very much needed for both sides, for the East and the West. But then, unfortunately, we had to cancel a lot of our program this, week, uh, this year because of the coronavirus. But hopefully we can continue to do, to create something later this year.
0: During the pandemic and its aftermath, meanwhile struggling to make sense of the new reality, designers have a room to rethink their practice and look for new opportunities. What are some examples of design thinking serving the common good?
2: Um, There's one project I like very much is a project initiated by uh, Chinese designers Fran Chao and Chen Min. Uh, the title of the project is cre- cre- create. The title of the project is create keywords. It is a collaborative project to, to promote innovation in public health. So it was it was launched mid February, and in the first phase, they are like very innovative, very imaginative concept and proposal, like um, a time sensitive color-changing hand soap designed by Fran Chao and Pinot Wang. And then there is the DIY air filtration unit by Bamboo Studio. A mask with usage indicator by lifestyle brand above. above. And then there is like a wearable material shield by architect Dong And then uh, Shemin's a handkerchief mask. So yeah and and now the team is also working on the second phrase and they have called on international design studios like Stu- studio or Ofef- sorry so they have called in uh international practices like raw color from the Netherlands for the next phase of the project so um Yeah, and I have to say there are not many interdisciplinary collaborations like this before in China. And I think this is really encouraging to see the young generation of creative coming together from different backgrounds to contribute and to serve the common good.
1: All the projects you've mentioned sound extremely interesting, Yoko. Um, Are there any other inspiring projects you have come across lately?
2: So, I think it's been a very rough time and one of the biggest challenges we have collectively in recent history, but on the upside, I think the pandemic has raised public awareness of the urgency of a sustainable future, and also the public uh, uh, realizing that our responsibility in creating a more livable future for the community, so, and this is really inspiring and encouraging to see how new trends and new way of le- living emerge in this time. And I think businesses that uh, focuses on well-being and create, creating a better future, getting the attention that they deserve. So at Wallpaper, we are working on an online story series called The World View. And uh, for that, we reach out to creative talents from around the world to see how they're dealing with the new reality, as you said and um what kind of challenges they are facing now and how how are they solving it in the near future so and for that and and for the series i got the chance to speak with one of the founders of the dutch bicycle brand from Taco tackle he told me that like very interestingly the first four nights into the crisis the business went to complete silence but very soon, very soon, they get they realize that there is like this worldwide search begin for new solution of urban commuting, and that's when the company got overwhelmed with the amounts of the new e bike, the new e bikes that they have just launched in April, and is that the sales the sales are going just through the roof? It's gone crazy for them, and I think what's in really interesting is that I think. Everything that his, he and his team predicted for the e bikes for the future of new way of um, commuting in cities for the next decade has actually just happened in three months. So, they, of course, they're very surprised, but they're also very glad to see that um, people are now seeing the advantages of cities without cars or with fewer cars, the possibility of living in a healthier, greener, and less polluted future like a future that we, we're we all dreaming of and we all deserve. So this is, I think this is very interesting for me to witness. And then uh, there's another interesting project that came to my attention just recently, maybe like two days ago, is a product I found on Kickstarter. Well, actually, I saw this on my Instagram feed. It is co- it's called um, Terra, Terra Planter. And it's developed by a product designer, Aaron Sahi from New York. It is a beautifully designed ceramic planter for house plants. And through the use of material and design, the planter suggests a new way of growing and carrying plants at home. And I, th- I found it really, really appealing because I just started uh, doing house planting myself in the last couple of months and I'm, I'm really not good at it. And this plant uh, solved exactly my problems and my doubts. And on top of that, it's a really nice design. So I think a lot of people are spending more time at home and also trying to improve their living and working environment. I think, and I think, of course, the designer had spent a lot of time in developing the product, in testing the product, and he finally launched it now. And I think he got the, the right timing for, for the product and it also showed that how design can enhance your, your living environment and and can enhance your living experience. Um, I think also a lot of us have come to the reala- realization that we have been overproducing and overconsuming to a really absurd scale in the past maybe, I don't know, 50 or more years. And for me now is this even more important that design should have a purpose and it has to serve a greater good of humanity and the world. And as a customer myself, I think we should be more mindful in every way of our daily life.
0: Yoko, design is a cutting-edge industry. Do you envision its future in a more collaborative way? How public and urban spaces will be reevaluated?
2: I think... Um yeah, it's an interesting question. I think like the Dutch bicycle brand, Vanmoof, I've just mentioned, I think uh, for, for them, they actually have two operation bases, one in Amsterdam and one in Taipei. And as we all know, the Netherlands is very famous for its cycling culture and Taiwan is currently the the holding a central position in global supply of bicycles. So the company understands very well that only by combining the strengths of the two locations, the two cultures, the two um, um, talents, they have the power to redefine and reshape the global mobility future. And it also, it is proved to be welcomed and supported by the market too. There are a lot of more things we have to discuss. Of course, for example, the carbon footprint we create with all kind of internet, intercontinental transportation and traveling, and also people are talking about the importance of supporting local businesses as well. But I think in general, collaboration, especially cross-cultural collaborations, means innovations, means efficiencies in the use of material talents and manpower and i think it could only create more inclusive and a more equal society for us in the future and i think also also that i had an interview with Chen Min, one of the founders of the create um create Cures project i mentioned before um he said something re- i think really it stayed in my head for a long time he said Cross-cultural collaboration is important because, after all, what we are facing now is a challenge for all mankind. So you cannot... Why do you limit your resources or limit your talents to serve a limited community instead of if you can serve the whole population in the world?
1: Joko, my last question for you is how do you envision the recovery of the Chinese industry? And uh,
2: do you think it will go in a more sustainable direction? People are very optimistic about the future. And they're trying to do as much as they can to secure a better future or secure a better recovery in the coming months. So, of course, on the economic side of things, the damage and the challenges are still there. And I think it will take some time for the creative industry to fully recover I think this is also like into into relationship with the whole world as well because china is China is the main supply chain of a lot of things and i mean if the global economic economy is not uh, is not uh, getting better or recover recovering I think China cannot do it alone so i think it's it's a whole collaborative um effort in the coming months for all of us. I think what's encouraging is that uh, people now in China they understand the new challenges in front in front of them. That they have to find new ways, no matter in creating or in their messaging, in production, in their re- responsibility as a designer or business to progress to more sustainable, livable future. And I know that although although we don't usually associate China with sustainability, but I think uh, indeed this is one of the most important topics for the emerging young creative crowd in in China. Of course, they all very much emphasize on eco- um, environmental sustainability. I think a lot of them are using like the the manufacturing capacity in China to look into how to change the production uh, um facility or or the the procedure to to make everything more sustainable. They're looking into new materials in China to see how how they can incorporate them in the design and in production also. So I think a lot of them are looking into a better way of creating. Of course, they have to uh, fulfill the demand of the demand of the of the china society now they have to create a lot but in what way they can change the pattern or the in what way they can change the perception of how people look at china design or how people um will be you will be willing to use or utilize the the manufacturing power in china so i think um yeah this is what um you're looking at at the moment, and I think, of course, now we still won't associate China with sustainability, but I think this is definitely a direction, a goal, or aspiration from the younger generation. And I think, um, as one of the designers in the show, Mario Sai said, China's contemporary design is living in an era of disorientation, but also in an era of opportunity. So I think this is very exciting, exactly what I think is so exciting and fascinating now. I believe that we would have a lot more to offer to the global community in the very near future.
1: Thank you, Yoko, for this insightful conversation. And we can't wait to read the next issue of Wallpaper.